When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Bengal Tiger Podcast. I'm Matthew Bruni, and joining me once again today is Shay Dixon. Shay, um, it is July 31st right now as we are recording this, and that means we are four days away from the start of fall camp in Baton Rouge. Um, August 3rd uh, will be the official kickoff for fall camp at LSU, and uh, yeah, it's here, finally. You ready? I... I think I'm ready. I think I'm ready. It's it's like the whole summer is just it starts to wear on you, you know, where it's a lot of like previewing stuff and obviously recruiting stuff, which we enjoy. But it's like, all right, let's get to the season. Like this is where, you know, this is where we really start to dig into who can play, who can't and how everything shakes out. So what is let's set the stage real quick and then we're going to. So we're going to go through every position. Yeah. Spend a few minutes on each of them but try to fit our, our true feelings uh, into a concise little package. Uh, but we'll dive deeper into every position in fall camp, especially as we see guys, we watch practice, we hear Kelly talk. Um, but I will say, what let's set the stage here. What What is the over-under win total this year? Is it nine and a half? I think it's nine and a half. If I'm not okay, mistaken. last year it was six and a half to seven. Yeah. So in, in one year, yes, they won the West and all that, but – None of that matters. It's really, what are you bringing back? How does it set up? That's what Vegas is going to look at your schedule. Uh, and they expect LSU to be a three win team better than they thought they were a year ago. Meaning that LSU was way ahead of schedule a season ago. Now they're on schedule. We've talked a little bit about Maddie B expectations. My expectation is very simple. Win one more game than you won a year ago. So get to 10 wins in the regular season, guarantee yourself a new year six bowl if you achieve more than that, that means you might be in SEC title contention. It may mean you're in playoff contention. Uh, but for me, that's the goal. Win 10 games. Yeah, I, I agree. And um, I've written a lot about the schedule, um, the other teams in the SEC, uh, kind of to get a better grasp of what LSU is up against. And while I don't think it's the best the SEC West has been outside of Alabama and LSU, um, those are still really, really capable teams. Like those are five teams that are not going to lay down. A and M, Auburn. Uh, you go down the list: Mississippi State, all Ole Miss. Like these are teams where I, I was listening to some podcasts. And it's like people don't know who to put last in the SEC West this year. It's like, do you put Auburn? You know, Mississippi State. Like these are all really talented uh, teams that have clear strengths this year. So it's going to be interesting to see how they run through the schedule. These are not. Uh, you know, you don't write in Sharpie, oh, easy dub at Mississippi State, you know, at or you're they're hosting Auburn this year. Like you don't write in Sharpie that those are wins, but they are going to be favored. And like you said, the standards are different now. You're now expected to win those games coming into the year. So it's going to be really, really interesting to see how they handle all that. When Brian Kelly, I thought, summed it up really well. I like hearing Brian Kelly talk the more and more that yeah. we hear him because he's great. I feel like he's honest to – with the assessment of himself and what that means for this program. And he said a year ago, my big thing was, and we've talked about this a million times. He had an all new staff. He had a all new roster. He was in a new building for the first time. He was trying to build the foundation, but the point I, I'd like to circle here is we just talk about the, the team just before that, the actual season, you mentioned the schedule. He said, I didn't know what it was like to play an sec schedule. So when we go and play Auburn, who, on paper is one of the worst teams in the SEC. They don't have a ton of depth, but you go over there and their stadium sold out and they've got you on the ropes, you know, pretty much the whole game. And then you could play games like AM, where on paper they may have the best roster outside of Alabama in the SEC West uh, this past season, a year ago, but they couldn't beat anybody and they go in there and run you out of their own building. So it truly is every play, one play at a time, even more so, more specifically than the old adage of one week at a time. No, 
Brian Kelly has stressed it. It is one snap at a time in this conference. And I think he's drilled that into this team. They understand it in terms of preparation and focus uh, and certainly execution. Um, so I, I feel good about me saying I want them to win 10 games in the regular season. I think they can do it. Yeah, I, I would set it right now at 10. 10. It'll, it'll be interesting. We'll do our preseason or our pre, preseason predictions of a week or two before kickoff, but I'm feeling confident somewhere between 10 and 11 wins at this moment. So who knows? Maybe I'll go. I got I, I got my bet right last year was over six and a half. That felt easy. Um, and it was weird because it was for reasons that didn't even – um weren't the reasons why I bet it but they just that's a really good team last year so we'll see how this year goes let's get into it we'll go position group by position group spend a few minutes on each one um to give you a full preview of what we're expecting through the fall uh position battles um potentially but we're starting at quarterback and there is no position battle here but LSU does have one of the best quarterback rooms, I say, in the country as far as one-two punches go. Obviously, there might be rooms that have three, four guys that are really high. And I, I think Ricky Collins is going to be a fine quarterback for LSU. I think he will be competing in future years. But at, as far as this year goes, Jaden Daniels, Garrett Nussmeyer, two elite quarterbacks, two quarterbacks that I've said are top five, six in the SEC. I think Garrett Nussmeyer is that good. But with that being said, Jay and Daniels is the starter, all SEC first team, preseason team. Uh, what are your thoughts on the quarterback spot? What do you want to see or hear throughout the fall? Uh, the best way I think that to describe their quarterback room and how good it is, is they have the two most ready quarterbacks of anybody in the country that then could compete at a very high level. Like other teams had some guys that transferred in. Now they've got multiple guys who have started games, but they're not on the talent level of Jaden and Garrett. And you're right. There's, I don't know how you want to define a battle or a competition or any of that when it comes to quarterback. The reality is we know Jaden's a starter. Brian Kelly said it, but he doesn't have to. This is the same thing as last year, except now you've added 13 games. One guy started nearly 50 college games. The other in Nussmeyer has started no college games. You're not, that guy isn't beating out the guy who started 50 something college games and is carrying top five Heisman odds. But, and I've, Talk to sources about this. I think the average fan or maybe the fan who follows LSU really closely and knows kind of how each game flowed and what everything looks like there. If Jaden is limping around in a game or if he's not playing well, Nussmeyer will go into the game. That wasn't the case of the year ago. Like Jaden had to gut it out against Arkansas. There were other games like that. Yes, we saw Nuss come in in the second half of the SEC championship when Jaden couldn't even walk anymore at that point. But this year they trust Garrett Nussmeyer so much more to be that guy to put into the game, whether it's poor play, whether it's needing a spark, whether it's being, you know, getting injured, whatever it might be. That wasn't the case a year ago. It was Jaden. That's not a knock on Jaden now. It's just some praise to Nussmeyer that he is that ready to be the guy that if he has to go in, he can go in. I don't really care about what they talk about in fall camp how far they've come. I know I watched them. I saw them again in the spring. I know what kind of players they are. If Jaden gets, and people just want to say the deep ball or if he'll let it go, however you want to put it. If they add an explosive element to this passing game through Jaden's arm and they continue to use him as a dual threat quarterback, this offense has the weapons to be at wide receiver and certainly blocking in the trenches. And they've got eight running backs on roster. You pick one that you feel like playing or running the hot hand. I don't care. Then you look at the tight ends, Mason Taylor coming back, a lot of Camorian Pimpton, some good tight ends coming in. They can run with anybody in the country. So for me, quarterback comes down to that. I want to see them have an explosive element in the passing game. Yeah. The vertical passing will be the talk of fall camp. Um, I will say, you know, even if we're in camp and we see, you know, him complete a 30, 40 yard pass, there's it's a lot of it is going to be camp. We have to see when the bullets are flying. We have to see when Florida State um, is obviously the opponent in Orlando. So uh, we know Jane Daniels has it, the capabilities. That's been my whole thing the whole time. Last year was literally the lowest yards per attempt of his career, the, probably the lowest average depth of target of his career. Like, Last year was probably the outlier if you look at his career in totality, 
But why was it the outlier? It was because he's playing, obviously, SEC competition. It's because he didn't know his receivers. Um, he was getting comfortable, and he kind of dropped his eyes and just started running in a lot of situations. This year, I think I put it on record, I expect him to run a bit less. He had 180-plus rushing attempts last year. Um, and with that, I think his eyes will be forced to push down the field a little bit more. So, and we'll get to the receivers in a bit. I think he has some weapons that, that can open the field, open up the field for him running back. There's eight of them. Like you said, yes. And uh, To quickly wrap them up, Josh Williams, Logan Diggs, John Emery, uh, Noah Kane, Armani Goodwin, uh, Trey Bradford's back, Caleb Jackson, Trey Holly. Those are the two freshmen at the end. Um, they all have their own question mark. I'd say um, for several different reasons. If you go down the list of, you know, can Josh Williams replicate what he did last year? Was last year his ceiling of, you know, about 500 yards being a good all around back? Logan Diggs transfers in from Notre Dame. John Emery missed spring with academics, but we, he's supposed to be fine for the fall. Noah Kane uh, was kind of just their goal line back last year. Can he be more? Goodwin coming off injury, a serious knee injury, uh, missed spring and missed summer. Uh, and then Caleb Jackson, Trey Holly are two, two freshmen. And then Trey Bradford comes back after missing last year. Where do you want to start? Because to me, this is a very much the, – the fall will be very telling of who this staff trusts. Yeah, this is going to be Frank Wilson's call. And I Frank Wilson, among anyone who's been on is on the staff currently has coached at LSU longer than anybody. He's had multiple stops. We've seen the Fournette days where he had a bell cow. And even then guys like Daryl Williams were getting carries. Who's an NFL running back. And we've seen years where three to four guys ended up at the end of the year, right? Having about the same amount of touches last year. That was kind of the case. Maddie B four guys or so three guys finished about the same but it was because of injury. It wasn't because everyone was healthy and they were just splitting it. Josh Williams was out for a bit. Goodwin, you know, is in and out. Uh, Noah Kane was the only one who actually just kept playing the entire time. So I don't know where you start. I think it could be fun to debate if a you know, freshman like Caleb Jackson can break through and get touches. Can, you know, Armani Goodwin or Trey Bradford do something for you this year? Cause you know, they have that kind of burst yep. in them. John Emery's always your, kind of wild card to circle is saying, well, he was once the number one running back in the country coming out of Destrehan. He was a five-star. There's a reason for it. He's a very talented player, but does he have it all put together? Most importantly on the field, is he holding on to the football? And if he's not, he won't. He, Frank Wilson won't put him in the game. That's one of Frank Wilson's biggest rules. There's eight guys here, and we said we'd spend a few minutes on each position, so I don't want to talk too long. I won't get into all of them. They took Kane. If you have seven running backs and you still took, excuse not Kane, uh, Logan Diggs out of Notre Dame. If you've got seven running backs and you still took one, there is a reason. And when Brian Kelly was at media days, he talked about Frank Wilson's room and he said, we really like three down backs, guys who we can trust on all three downs. And he mentioned Josh Williams and then said, Logan Diggs is that kind of guy. I like Kane for a red zone type back. He can, Sure, roll up your touchdown totals, all that. By season's end, I'd be a little surprised if Josh Williams and Kane didn't have the most – and if Josh Williams and Diggs didn't have the most overall touches, whether that be catching or carrying the football. I agree. That's that's where I'm at. I'm, I'm between those two as the top two backs, Josh Williams and Logan Diggs. Josh Williams is so well-rounded. Uh, we know what he does from a pass protection standpoint. We know where how smart he is, how long he's been at LSU, the leadership aspect, all those things. Um, there's a lot of trust in Josh Williams. Logan Diggs comes in, and he's clearly the upside take for this room. Um, and not to say the other guys on this in this room don't have upside, because they clearly do, but Logan Diggs last year had 300 more yards than anybody on LSU's roster last year. He, had, he was about 800, and Josh Williams finished with about five. 15, 520, somewhere in that range. So I just think Logan Diggs, and he's younger, you know, just finished his sophomore year, going into his junior year. Uh, I think there's just so much on the bone when you look at Logan Diggs. Um, I, I'm really, really high on him. So, yeah, I'm, I'm at those two. And then it's kind of the same thing as last year. I think John Emery and Noah Kane fill in those spots when you need them, like John Emery did against Auburn, John Emery did against Alabama. That would be great. That would be the ideal situation for this running back room. And then you can sprinkle in – 
the Caleb Jacksons, the Armani Goodwins, and so on. Uh, I'll wrap up running back with this. You know what's funny about it? They have eight guys, and you're a college team, so I'm not sure I can name it. Like if there was another error or whatever, LSU had eight running backs, and you're not circle. I don't need a circle names here. This is a hypothetical, but I could easily point to one or two guys and be like, they're not SE, they're not LSU level guys. Like they're not ever going to play. Mm-hmm. That's not the case with this room. It's just that either they're true freshmen or their academics were in question or they got hurt and they're coming off injuries. Like every one of these guys absolutely can play at LSU. That's what to me makes this a really intriguing room of how it breaks out. Yeah. The funniest, the funniest thing is Trey Holly, like you said, true freshman. I think he can have a good career at LSU, but like Trey Holly's probably towards the bottom of the depth chart. And he was, he's Louisiana's all time leading high school rusher. And uh, he comes in as a freshman who also played in the spring. Trey Holly did. So maybe he can move up fairly quickly <clears throat> receiver this is the room that i think has some people divided a little bit even though it's clearly one of the better rooms in the sec malik neighbors brian thomas kyron lacy are probably the top three in my opinion then you go to three players coming off injury chris hilton landon ibietta and aaron anderson and then you have four freshmen jalen brown kyle parker shelton sampson and kai prion it's <clears throat> is it as simple to say it's going to be those top three and then it's going to be Hilton, Ibietta, Anderson. And then we have to see, like, are there question marks to you when it comes to, like, the depth of this receiver room? Like, can any of the freshmen contribute this year? And I know a lot of people are high, high on Kyle Parker, but, like, how do you kind of work all that out in your head? Well, yeah, people are high on Jalen Brown as the guy who's one of the fastest guys in that room. People are high on Shelton Sampson sure. as a former five-star coming out of high school. Uh, you mentioned Kyle Parker being maybe physically the most ready right away. So, You've got Kai Prion in there. So they brought in a lot of freshmen. The question for the freshmen becomes, can you be trusted? Do you know your routes? Do you know your assignment? All these different things, yes. But can they get past that group that's in the middle? So if you say, let's break it into tiers, your first, you know, first second, third team, whatever it might be. Your first team is the guys you mentioned. The three, Malik Neighbors went over 1,000 yards last year. Brian Thomas is in his money year. And the same for Kyron Lacey, who he had some drops last year and some critical moments, but we saw that in camp. Like he was not sure handed in camp. That was not the case this spring. And we had already heard that from kind of coaches saying, Hey, look, Kyron Lacey's going to have a big spring. Like he has turned a corner and we saw it. He made an unbelievable catch to start the spring game too, and took it for a touchdown. So I'll, I'll greet those three, but can those freshmen get past, a transfer in Aaron Anderson who's a really good player, really great player when healthy, electric. Uh, we're a guy who's now in his junior year and for the first time really healthy in Chris Hilton, who's a really good football player. A guy in Landon Abietta who's now got a year under his belt, played a little in that bowl game, but certainly has gotten adjusted to the college game, and he's a very good player. Can they get past that group? Because for me, that group's going to get the first chance to get in and have that rotational reps with those other guys. And I think the Anderson addition is really intriguing. He is a um, a very talented slot player. He's got great speed, elusiveness. I li- I never don't like LSU's receiver room. I think Neighbors is a future first round pick. I think Brian Thomas is a top fifty level pick, uh, and I think Kyron Lacy can up his stock in a big way. So those first three are NFL players after this year, in my opinion. Brian Thomas, I think you worded it well. This is the money year for Brian Thomas and Kyron Lacey. But Brian Thomas, first few years of his career, 400 yards, 400 yards. Um, you, This is the year he's going to have to put up more than he's put up in his entire career. I, if he doesn't suppress 800 yards receiving, it's a disappointing year in my opinion because I think there's a very, very much, like you said, it's tiered. Malik Neighbors is all, all, all SEC caliber. Brian Thomas – clearly should be a great compliment to Malik Neighbors with his size, with his catch radius, with his athleticism. That one-two punch should be elite. And it's up to Brian Thomas to make it elite. So Brian Thomas, like you said, money year, going to be interesting. Kyron Lacey has to continue what we saw throughout the spring. Um, yeah, I, I'm very comfortable with those three. But at the same time, those, you know, Thomas and Lacey have to prove it. And then the second group does have that question mark around it. Like, can Chris Hilton stay healthy and be that explosive player? Landon Ibietta, 
had a concussion last year who that sat him out and then they kind of just registered him. Um, and Aaron Anderson, I can see being that kind of gadget player that they use off jet sweeps, screens, bubble screens, like all that different stuff. Um, I, I'm comfortable with this room, but there are still some question marks here that are going to have to be answered um, in the fall and once the season starts. Tight end. Oh, you got another one? Anything else on receiver? No, no. And I think the question marks are good question marks, not like it's worrisome and that they not might they might not be good. Like this is going no, to be a very play. good receiver room. Yes, yes. Talent perspective-wise, this is an elite receiver um, room. Yes, okay, so tight end. We could have spent 15 seconds talking about this position had they not recruited people in the offseason because Mason Taylor, your only returning player on roster at tight end from a year ago, obviously he was almost forced into yes. a role that he then succeeded in, had a breakout year. You know what kind of player he is now. You know what you're getting in him. Certainly they've worked this offseason on really rounding out his game um again he was an 18 year old freshman he's going to have himself bulked up he's going to be a little bit more able to block things like that uh but in the offseason we talked already a lot about the three guys they signed in december camorian pimpton mac markway jackson mcgohan markway and mcgohan were here this spring we talked about them uh markway is your true inline blocker mcgohan more of a slot tight end type that can go out and catch the football and Pimpton finished as a top five tight end in the country. Maybe one of the best catch radiuses uh, we've seen in recent cycles. When I asked Brian Kelly about him on signing day, he says that he hasn't seen a tight end, that he has this sort of combo of measurables, catch radius, ability, and the upside is there. Yeah. And then they go and get Connor Gilbreth out of Juco, who's coming in and in Connor Gilbreth's uh, words, I'm coming in to block people. I don't care about catching a football. I'm a six offensive lineman. And in Brian Kelly and Mike Denbrock's offense, you'll take that all day long. Like you want, you have to have that type of player. So you added four, you already had Mason Taylor. We feel good about this room now. I think the only thing we now have to see is how does it play out? Like is Gilbreth the guy or is it Gilbreth and Markway blocking? Is Mason Taylor always out there or is Pimpton starting to get some run? I'm curious to see how it unfolds because I think people could just look at what Mason Taylor did, Matty B, and say, that guy's going to get all the catches, all the attention. And I don't know if that's the case. Yeah. <clears throat> this is the this is the position unit that I'm most interested to watch in, in the fall. I think there's a lot of different ways this can go. Not with Mason Taylor. Like you said, I think Mason Taylor is locked in, but at the same time, how you know, how are the responsibilities divvied up? Because now Mason Taylor doesn't have to do everything. That was the big thing throughout the last season was like, all right, Mason Taylor, you have to learn how to block. The first five games of the year, he couldn't block. And then he took strides forward and he was able to block by the end of the year. Um, and then the three freshmen, how did those, those three kind of shake out? Because they all have different strengths. We mentioned Pimpton's catching, McGowan's kind of receiving and yards after catch ability. Mark Way as a blocker and then Gilbert as just an absolute offensive line level blocker um, at 270, 6'6". Um, he's going to be an interesting player to watch. But like the packages that they're able to run this year are different than what they were able to do last year. And that's what I want to see in the fall is how do those tight ends match up against different defenses, different situations in red zones and short yardage and third and longs like do they put Pimpton in and in the when they're inside the 10 and throw it fade to him in the fall? Like there are a lot of different situations that I want to see. And at the same time, I think Mason Taylor, I think his receptions might dip down a bit this year, but I think he actually ends up with five, six, seven touchdowns. I think he's going to be one of those guys that starts to figure out where the openings are in the defense this year. And that's going to be uh, really exciting uh, to watch. So that that's the position group in the fall. We'll have to see how that all shakes out. Uh, here's my Camorian Pimpton, uh, true freshman prediction. I don't know what his stats will be. I don't know what his playing time will be. But I will set the over-under at two and a half on catches made or plays made where people are like, whoa. Like, that that guy is going to be an absolute animal when he gets it, puts it all together. Uh, just insane length and ability. Um, big fan was great with shot put and discus in the spring. I mean, he was throwing with like D linemen were throwing basically. So yeah, ridiculous. we're talking about a kid who is about as well-rounded as you, you can get over under two and a half on 
plays he makes where LSU fans are like, all right, I see it. I get what y'all are talking about. <laughs> he might hit the over in the Grambling State game. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> that game, yeah, he, that he might get a lot of run in that one. Um, offensive line. Uh, on paper, I right, think yeah. there's – I, I knew you were going to say this. I just want you to be honest. Is this the best position group on the team? Ooh. Hmm. Is this the best position group on the team? I'm still going to probably take quarterback. Okay. But then after that, I think this and defensive line are probably the two vying for that second spot. Well, I'd say in the SEC, you win in the trenches yeah. and a really good quarterback helps. Yeah. So if you're saying that those three could potentially be the three strongest suits, I guess that was a point I'm getting to is that that bodes well. That's a reason why people are thinking highly of LSU is because, yes, the O-line and D-line, which we're about to talk about here back-to-back, are two really, really good units that are better than they were a year ago. Yeah. I mean, from a returning talent perspective, they didn't have to go to the portal. They added one player from the portal, right? Mason Lunsford, who we'll talk about. But the fact you can return two true freshman tackles and Emory Jones and Will Campbell, who were good last year. And I, Will Campbell was borderline great. Like, as far as freshmen go, he was great. Like, all freshmen, all American, like that level of great. Um, you return those two guys as your bookends. And I think there are different ways this offense line could shake out this this fall. But you return those two. You return Miles Frazier, Garrett Dellinger, who was injured last year on and off. Remember, you had the hand thing and so on and so forth. And then you do have a healthy competition, I think, at center. I, I look at this offense line and say this is one of the best offense lines in the SEC. And I think this is where you want to get to to be able to beat Alabama, to compete with Georgia, and so on and so forth, and be consistent on a day-in, day-out basis is your offensive line being this good with this much returning talent. I think we find out what I love about Brad Davis, and I'll just say this first about – I've said this a million times on the board and on the podcast before, but – People want to debate, like, who's one of the best head coach, O-line evaluators, developers out there? It's Brian Kelly. Notre Dame has so many guys in the NFL that are rich, 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 yeah. because they went and evaled them, they developed them, and they saw what it – they know what it takes, the formula from body to mentality to all that, measurements to have an elite O-lineman, to create a great NFL O-lineman. They are implementing that now. I'm loving all the guys, really, that they're taking. When I look at this O-line, but I guess so what I'm saying about Brad Davis, uh, since I'm going to imagine that when O-line guys are getting moved in and out, that's his call, we're not going to have to wait long to see. He did end up, within the first month, starting two true freshmen in Jones and Campbell at offensive tackles. And in week one, when Jared Verse is out there whipping up on everyone for Florida State, one offensive tackle lost his job after that game and never played again and transferred out. And we then just saw, even when guys were playing fine, they would be like, you get to play the first three series, but then we're putting someone else in at guard. We're going to see how they look. So I think there's seven, eight guys here that we can say, Hey, look, those guys are going to play this year. And it may not just be injury related. It may be either poor play or we're just going to rotate guys. Yeah, uh, as far as competition goes, I think the center spot is is the one that I'm circling circling to be the most interesting. Charles Turner did not participate in the spring, and Marlon Martinez kind of took, you know, all those snaps. And Marlon Martinez also played against UAB last year and started against Purdue uh, in Charles Turner's spot. I think that's the competition I want to see between those two. And then you can throw in potentially a Mason Lunsford in there. Um, I'm personally really high on DJ Chester. I don't think he quite breaks into that level as a true freshman. Um, but I do like DJ Chester. Uh, so the center spot has all of my attention on the offensive line because I think Dellinger is kind of locked in. I think Campbell's locked in. Um, the other question here in something that I think a lot of people have talked about and something that I've even mentioned is I like Zalen's hurt so much. You wonder if he potentially – can shake up this offensive line because he's too good to keep off the field. He, you wonder if he is that Will Campbell level player. And obviously he's, was, he's ranked and rated higher than Will Campbell was out of high school. He is significantly heavier, I think, than Will Campbell was out of high school. So there is an, 
a conditioning aspect that he is going to have to get to. But he is talented enough to be like, hey, we have to start him at right tackle. And then what happens? You move Emory Jones and Frazier at guard. You know, is that the competition? Though that's the secondary competition that I'm looking forward to seeing is does Zalen's hurt shake things up? The I'm with you, I, but I don't know. Like for me to even predict, okay, well then put Zalance hurt at right tackle and move Emory Jones inside. He may be more of a natural guard. I'm then having to take off a Garrett Dellinger or a Miles Frazier who started every game for him. It was really year. good. Like, there's yeah. no knock on those guys. Those guys are very good football players who are not underperforming or anything. In fact, they're only getting better. So it's it's going to be fun to watch. I don't think anyone's taking Will Campbell's left tackle spot, but no. all the other spots could shuffle around just depending on what Brad Davis, the O-line coach, sees, how he feels. Um, I also think DJ Chester as a true freshman is someone who could knock on the door for playing time. And then, as you mentioned, they only took one transfer in Mason Lunsford, uh, and he's started games before at Maryland. Yep. So they have depth. They have all their starters back if you're just counting guys who started games last year. You know, yep. Everyone who's in that first five started games. And what people can kind of be quick to forget Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Entering last year, Marlon Martinez had played the second most games of anyone on the team. And every backup except him transferred out. Why? And I asked him that this offseason. And he said, look, I wanted to stick it out. I want to battle. But I also think he knows Charles Turner wasn't going to be here in the spring because he was injured. He could get all the first team reps. And then he believed that I think he believes that, hey, I can battle and win this job. And if not, be in a very heavy rotation uh, or he has started at guard before. If you have to put him at guard, you can. So I love their line group. I have yeah. no beef with it. Yeah, I agree. Um, uh, like we said, Hurd and Chester are two kind of X factors here that we're going to have to see as far as young players really stepping up. And I do like Paul Mabenga as well, uh, but he was very much when they took him as a kind of high three-star guy. It's kind of a project long-term uh, just with his athleticism and his upside. So defensive line um, that you asked me what the best position group is, I could say the one with Makai Wingo and Mason Smith on it very easily. Uh, so you start with those two as your defensive tackles. Then you go to Savion Jones as, as your defensive end. And we'll include the Jack linebacker spot here because it is kind of a stand-up defensive end position. Um, and uh, you have Ovia Gofu uh, and Braden Swinson battling it out for that spot. The depth is the main thing going into the year that we're going to have to see, uh, especially a defensive tackle, because last year at defensive tackle, Jaqueline Roy and Makai Wingo played two of played some of the most snaps of any defensive lineman in the country. Is the depth better there? You add a ton of transfers, Jordan Jefferson, Jalen Lee, Paris Shand, um, and then obviously Fitzgerald West finally moving back to defensive tackle, I think helps as well. Um, and then, you know, at, at defensive end, you have basically three five-stars with Savion Jones, Quincy Wiggins, and now Deshaun Womack. Um, the depth of this defense line should be better. And that's where I want to start with this um, unit is I feel better this year than last year because last year um, they didn't trust anybody after Roy and Wingo once Mason Smith went down. Yeah, it's funny you think about how talented they are. As you mentioned, the five stars. Mason Smith is a five star. He starts. Mm -hmm. Savion Jones is a five star and on three. He starts at the end. His backup in Quincy Wiggins was a five star. And then you just signed Deshaun Womack, who can play Jack or put his hand in the dirt and play in. He's a five-star. So yep. 
you have stacked up elite D linemen. And now, really, if you look back on it, you can just call Makai Wingo a five-star impact player because all freshman team and now yeah, all SEC. He was team. all SEC as a freshman. Yeah. He's all SEC this past year now. He's yeah. voted onto the all SEC preseason team. So everyone holds him in high regard because we saw what he did at both Missouri and then LSU when he elevated kind of the level of, of competition to even get on the field and then the, the level of teams they were playing. I think that I love this group. I think I would argue that maybe it is the one that is the most talented on roster, but there's unknowns for me. I don't know what the Jack linebacker rotation will look like. They've talked up Ovia Gofu. We know Braden Swinson came in. Those guys are transfers. I just don't know yet. And this is going to be a theme for another spot at defense when we get there in a minute, but I don't know what they have. And yes, I do know what Mason Smith, who I think is going to have an amazing year, um, but Makai Wingo, and I think it's time for Savion Jones to break out. Quincy Wiggins in year two can break out. Deshaun Womack is a true freshman. I'm telling you, this kid is wildly talented. We could be talking about him like we talked about Harold Perkins a year ago. I, I kind of know what all those guys can do. And I'll toss Jacoby and Guillory in there because he has been here a few years. He's a nose tackle. I think that he steps up and can really be someone who can come into a rotation and play very well for him. But I don't know, again, what the two transfers at Jack are going to do. I don't know how good Paris Shand can be on the defensive line. I don't know how good Jordan Jefferson can be on the defensive line, who was a really good player when he's healthy at West Virginia. The same with Jalen Lee, who was getting in and getting – uh, kind of nose tackle interior reps at Florida. Uh, and then you've got some guys who are, you know, young and coming back on the team. Uh, Fitzgerald West, Taiji Hill, Bryce, Langs uh, Bryce Langston is still uh, on roster. So Tossin Jackson Howard is a newcomer. Obviously Dylan Carpenter will be a newcomer. Like they're so deep. I just don't know after that first like five-ish guys, like how good, like how impactful they will be. It's it's very fair, especially considering, you know, Jordan Jefferson didn't uh, participate in the spring. Deshaun Womack is that guy who we're like, he's going to get on the field. We just don't quite know how or when because he is the same size as Quincy Wiggins and Savion Jones. Like the measurables screen defensive end, but when you watch him play, he can easily play the Jack linebacker position. He can easily be a stand-up edge rusher and be probably – and this is where I want to go, like, secondly. So we talk about the depth where I think you covered it well. It's like, all right, they have these names here. We're going to see how they do in the fall. But from a pass rushing perspective, can they be elite? And obviously it starts with Mason Smith and Mikhail Wingo. Um, and Harold Perkins we will keep for the linebackers. But can Savion Jones be a high-level pass rusher that gets six sacks this year? Like, can he break out in that way? And then, as much as I like Ovia Gofu and Braden Swinson, like you can read my write up on Ovia Gofu when he got here. I'm like, this guy is better than what the stats say, and this guy can be an actual player. He only put up two sacks last year. Like, you're going to have to put up four or five sacks at that spot. And even though, you know, you have to kind of break into what BJ Ojolari was, even though he had his ups and downs last year as well. So, that's the secondary thing is, is who can be a real, real pass rusher here. And will Deshaun Womax? hand be forced to get on the field early. Yeah, last year, Ojolari finished with five sacks. Savion Jones had four and a half. And then obviously Harold Perkins led the way with uh, eight or nine. Can't remember what uh, he finished with. Yeah, He'll hit double-digit sacks this year. That ain't no question. Um, all right, well, let's move there. Linebacker. Yeah. Where do you start? You start with Harold Perkins, right? Yeah, I said Greg Penn. <laughs> hey, well, then let's be we like here. Greg Greg Penn, who people aren't even talking about anymore, nope. did finish the regular season as the team leader in tacklers last year. And him and Baskerville. Um, Baskerville Harold, finished the actual season after the bowl and the championship, the but bowl. Greg Penn did finish the regular season regular as the season. number one tackler. You have Harold Perkins. You have Greg Penn as the returners. Then you add Omar Spates from Oregon State, all Pac-12 first team last year, uh, basically four-year guy at Oregon State. Um, West Week and Wit Weeks are basically the guys I have penciled in at four and five. Wit Weeks, true freshman coming in, who everybody, including Shay and Billy and myself, he's are so incredibly good, high, incredibly high. And I, I, I don't, I don't like patting myself on the back, but I'll pat myself on the back. Before when I first watched the film, I was like, 
this guy's like 85 rated 86 rated. i'm like this this doesn't feel right here this guy looks a little different and i just needed that confirmation from you and billy and sam and everybody else being like okay no yeah he's actually that good i was like okay good my eyes weren't deceiving me here uh yeah Whit weeks is is going to be special uh and then christian brathway another linebacker uh, take as a true freshman who i think also has some upside there a really good tackler good in straight lines um so maybe some potential in the back end but we have to start with who I think the stars are is going to be Omar Spates and Harold Perkins. Now, Harold Perkins, it's interesting because we don't know how they're going to use him exactly. John Jantix uh, took the podium in the spring and said, you know, first and second down, he's with the inside linebackers. Third down, he's with us at Jacks and outside linebackers and doing pass rushing stuff. I was like, okay, that's all I needed to hear. It, and we wanted to see Harold Perkins on the field more and in a more traditional way. But I didn't want him to lose that attacking aspect of it. I didn't want him to not be attacking. And as long as he's attacking on pass rushing downs, I think I feel good about this. But he has to be attacking. And that's where I think you start with this group in the in the in the fall is how do they use Harold Perkins? Yeah, and the best way to describe Perkins a year ago to sum it up was they just brought him along slowly and it evolved into sort of a hybrid. Jack linebacker, linebacker, really just pass rush or quarterback spy like the Arkansas game type of role. I think what Matt House has done this offseason is, yes, I need to teach. Harold's next step is becoming a true linebacker. But at the same time, I think what Matt House knows this season entails is every time LSU is up against somebody, that staff is going to put on the film and do their scouting. And their number one priority is going to say, well, we have to have an eye on Harold Perkins at all times. So using Harold in a variety of ways to where it's not just, hey, he does these two things and teams can get ready for that. And even if it takes two people, they can neutralize him in some way. I think that Madhouse is a smart enough guy. He's got a multiple uh, kind of looks on defense to where you can toy around with him and teams still not know what to expect at all times, which is a good thing. But Omar Spates, if he comes in and lives up to the billing, He's the veteran. He's played a ton at Oregon State. He looks great. We saw him moving around this spring. Like he should be a very solid player for you that you can rely on. And I think also, the question to tack on to Omar Spate's point, um, I believe he was second in the Pac 12 in passes covered as a linebacker. And then he also showed flashes as far as like a pass rusher goes. Like he was used in a bunch of different ways at Oregon State. I think he'll be more traditional here, but it is it is worth noting that he is versatile as well, which is, which is exciting. And we saw Baskerville do a lot more yes. covering last year than maybe some other guys were. Um, I do think there's still a role for this team for Greg Penn. I mean, I don't think you go – Matt House believed in Greg Penn last year. He started him in every game. And he did run up a lot of tackles. And he played – he. He didn't play well in some spots, but he played a lot better than people were saying he did on the year. The same thing that I have with Damone Clark early in his career. Weeks, the older Weeks, I think, is a very reliable second team or third team. Like someone who's coming in, giving you reps, and playing a lot of special teams. Yeah. Whit Weeks, I think, has the upside to really contribute. I don't know if it's this year. Is it next year? Regardless, you'll see some flashes, but... For me, it starts and ends with Harold Perkins. If if Omar Spates is what we think he's supposed to be, then he locks down that role and it allows Harold Perkins to do so much more. Yeah. And when Harold Perkins on third downs or second downs or whenever they want to put him at an outside linebacker spot or put him in a purely attacking role, then do we see Greg Penn come in a lot very often? And I, I think there's a world in which if we look at like what percentage of snap snaps Greg Penn plays, I think it could very well be like 50% like by the end of it because Harold Perkins is going to be used in such different ways. I was really encouraged in the spring game, him at inside linebacker blitzing from that spot and getting a running back on him. Like it was Noah Kane having to pick him up in the spring game. And I'm like, I will take that 10 times out of 10 if you're LSU. If we can get the opposing line, running back to have to guard Harold Perkins, who's coming right up the freaking A or B gap, like you take that 10 times out of 10. And so that's where I was encouraged to be like, hey, he can come off the edge, but if he comes up the gut and a running back picks him up, that is hell for opposing offenses. We feel good about linebacker. We love, we, 
The Harold Perkins show continues, uh, and I'm, I'm excited I, to see what these other guys can bring. I tweeted out, um, I tweeted out, could he get 100 tackles, 20 tackles for loss, and 10 sacks this year? And that feels very attainable. But um, he ended Ooh. last year with 72, 17, and 7, something like that. But he also didn't play the first month of the exactly. season beyond special teams and a little <laughs> bit of edge rush stuff. Exactly. Um, okay, so. I think corner is the group that we can spend – the least amount of time talking about because I think that Brian Kelly's right in what he said. We could sit here and talk all we want about it. We actually don't know anything about the corners. And that's what Brian Kelly said. He said, this is the dangers of the portal. Last year, we took all these portal corners. They saved our season. I mean, Makai Garner, Jared Bernard Converse, those guys. This year, they do it again. They take Denver Harris out of AM. They take J.K. Johnson from Ohio State. They take Zy Alexander from Southeastern. They take Deuce Chestnut from Syracuse. But we don't know. Like, yeah, we saw Denver Harris play half a season, and he was a midseason All-American as a freshman. How does he look here? As Brian Kelly said, yeah, J.K.'s – or uh, uh, Zy Alexander's film's great, but he was playing at the FCS level. What is the jump to the SEC? Like Deuce Chestnut was a phenomenal player in his first two years at Syracuse. But now you're playing at a new level and you weren't here all spring because you were injured. And then J.K. Johnson's coming off injury, coming yep. out of Ohio State's program. You only return one corner from last year in LaTerrence Welsh. And he was a freshman who only played special teams. So, like, I truly – and as Brian Kelly said it, we will not know anything about this corner group. And he gets to watch practice. He sits in film meetings, all that. Until they play Florida State and they go up against those receivers FSU has, you don't know what these guys are. And it was in that game last year where we saw Garner make some plays, Converse make some plays where you're like, all right, these, these guys are solid. Yeah, and uh, we saw who could and could not play in that game. And th that is quite the receiving core to start off the season against. Again, I did the rankings of all the position units that LSU is going to face this year. Did I have Florida State one? I'm pretty sure I think I had you had Florida State one. I think I had Florida State one. That is a that is a receiver room right there and a quarterback. So that's going to be a lot of fun. I can't wait for that game. Um, but yeah, the, as far as the LSU corners go, you laid it out well. We don't know, and anybody guessing. Anybody saying that they know who the starting two corners are, I think are lying because as much as I think it's – I think Denver Harris will be a starter against Florida State. We don't know. They're, we, they're, we have to see the entire next month of football because in the spring he wasn't locked in at one. They rotated guys in the entire time. So, um, yeah, if you're asking me throughout this summer, I've, I've maintained that if I had to guess, I would guess Denver Harris and Zy Alexander – but I'm really high on J.K. Johnson because when we well we when we did our top 40, I think I had J.K. Johnson like in top 30 or something. I think he's really good because I watched him against Penn State last year, hold up and play that cornerback position well. I watched um, Zy Alexander and Denver Harris last year show flashes as well. But then Latarence Welsh, who you know I love, comes out and has a great spring game and a great spring, and now we have to throw him in the mix too. So yeah. Too many question marks here um, to really, really put a lot of time into it, but it's going to be something that I'm, I think everybody is watching this fall. Um, safety, I think th the debate with safety for me really is who's after the guys you know about. So, like, you return two starters in Major Burns and Greg Brooks, they will debut in fall camp as the two starters at safety. Your nickel is Sage Ryan. He was there the whole spring. He will be out there for the first fall camp reps. There will be position battles, sure. But your thoughts, because Matthew Langlois is now healthy, you look at a guy like Andre Sam, who they signed and brought in as, as a depth piece, but someone who could certainly compete to play uh, a good bit at safety. And then they've got guys like Jordan Allen coming back. They've got Javian Toviano coming in and, really making a splash as a true freshman. Kylan Jackson, yep. if he can turn it on, is a very good player. So it's this blend of guys we that are like juniors and seniors that have already been the starters, so we figure they're starting again. How good can that next wave be of guys who are either now healthy or in Jordan Allen's case have played a year or in the case of the true freshman have a lot of talent, but you've never seen them yet? Yeah. Jordan Allen is also someone I was high on out of high school two years ago. Um, I think he could be really 
really interesting. Um, but the competition at LSU just doesn't – you have to be elite, I mean, pretty much, to start at LSU when LSU is clicking like this, right? When LSU is projected to get 9 to 10, 11 wins. Um, and at the safety spots, Greg Brook, Major Burns, I think they are – very good safeties. I don't think they're elite. Like they're not going to jump off, you know, they're not top three, top three. They're not top three round picks to me. Uh, someone can correct me if I'm wrong, but major Burns and Greg Brooks, I think are good players that communicate well, that are playmakers. I think Greg Brooks is going to have a really, really good year. Uh, Cause I loved what I saw from him last year in those uh, situations where he had to make a play. He made the plays against Auburn. Um, he'd make the plays um, when this team needed him. You're talking about the depth. I think Andre Sam, sixth-year player, played at Marshall last year. All you have to do is go back and watch the film, which is basically what everybody did, is go watch his game against Notre Dame last year where he single-handedly basically beat Notre Dame. And uh, you have to be like, all right, that guy's going to get playing time. Matthew Langlaw, freak of the week, remember, a few weeks ago, um, got the, the hammer. So he's back 100%. Go to Nickel, Deuce Chestnut, didn't participate in the spring, but – Right now, I'm penciling him in as guy who could be a starter, who could beat out Sage Ryan again if Sage Ryan doesn't take that step forward. That's what this fall is going to be about is can Sage Ryan hold down that spot or will Deuce Chestnut, who has been a two-year starter at Syracuse and at all ACC level, will he beat out Sage Ryan for nickel? Um, or how would they use the Deuce Chestnut exactly? Um, so the depth is, is definitely the most interesting thing about this uh, unit. I love JV and Tobiano. I think he can play safety. I didn't, even I didn't mention him. We have him listed with the corners. Uh, yeah, no, I think he can play corner. I think he can play safety. I think he can play that nickel. dude is, yeah. Very versatile. I'd be surprised if he didn't get on the field in some capacity this year. Um, but before we move on from safety, I did just want to add, I, because I just don't think people realize it, Matthew Langlois came out of Catholic Point Capee uh, two years ago. He's in the 2021 class. Uh, he's been injured in back-to-back -back years, so we just have not gotten to see him. When he left high school – ESPN had him as the number 77 safety in the country. Rivals had him as the number 35 safety in the country. 24-7 had him as the number 23 safety in the country. We had him in on three as the number five safety in the country. So when he's healthy, there are people who believe Matthew Langlois is a very, very good football player. Yeah. He showed it in high school. It was lower level ball, yes, but he's adjusted now. He knows what it's He's around in, in LSU's locker room, what you're up against in the SEC. If he stays healthy this year, he's getting on the field. I firmly believe it. I don't look too far ahead, but, man, next year, <laughs> we skipped the 2024 at this time next year. Uh, Brooks, Burns, and Sam will all be gone, right? Um, it, well, we're going to have, like, Toviano, Jackson, Langlaw to, to debate over, and then, obviously, whoever they add. Uh, from this year's class as well, but that's going to be a, a fun look ahead there. But I, I do think a lot of this hinges on Sage Ryan's development because this is year three now for a five-star. And some people were disappointed that last year he didn't start. He started one game out of 14. Some people were disappointed with that. This is the year there's, there's no excuses not to either start or be a major, major com contributor and succeed when you're in that position, because last year I do think it was a mixed bag. Um, and if he cannot take that step forward, Deuce Chestnut is sitting right there who can do everything. And JV and Toviano is also sitting right there who I think could very well start if, you know, things break his way. So, and you've always liked Jordan Allen. So, and, but he's only, oh, in year I love two. Jordan Allen. Yeah. He's only in year two. We'll see. Um, okay. We're coming up on an hour mark. And I know we still want to hit some rapid fire questions at the end. So let's breeze through special teams. I think kicker and punter are not much of a debate. You've got your starting kicker back in Ramos. You've got your starting punter back in Groudon, or excuse me, in uh, Bramplett. Yeah. I'm going old school there uh, with Josh Groudon. Uh, back in Jay Bramplett. I don't see them being overtaken by anyone at this stage. I guess we'll let fall camp play out, but Bramplett was very clutch for them a year ago, and they rode Ramos from start to finish. Unless Dybert is taking his spot, you would think it's Ramos yeah. as the kicker. Yeah, Dybert's going to have to be – um would have to take a significant step forward but it was we talk about it a lot Dybert and Todd were very highly rated specialists like when they were added to this uh, roster under Ed Orgeron like those are two guys who in theory can compete but then heck 
Damian Ramos comes in, wins the job, starter from start to finish. Jay Bramlett is, in my opinion, one of the best uh, punters in the SEC, and I think that's pretty comfortable saying that. I don't think I'm going out on a ledge. Um, so I think they hold down the spot, but at the same time, we know Divert and Todd have some talent behind them as well. I uh, I know, too, that before we get to the rapid-fire questions, uh, people are going to say, well, what about returner, returner? That's fair. The punt returns were very awful last year, and it was – Turnover ridden. They never really popped anything. It just didn't work. Um, they've had a change at special teams coordinator, John Jancic, and kind of everyone's taking a hands-on approach there. That's not what we'll debate. We'll just say this. Who do you want to see as the punt returner? For me, it's Aaron Anderson. You got him in from Alabama. You brought him back home. And I've covered this state since 2004. Aaron Anderson's one of the best returners that I saw at the high school level. Put up about 20 touchdowns, I think, uh, over in New Orleans. So, Yes. Be very interesting. They have a, this team has a lot of guys who can return punts. A lot of them, very talented. Where do they go? I do not know the answer. I will be surprised if I don't get to see Aaron Anderson out there at some point because that is what he is very good at. Yeah, um, Kyle Parker also re- returned a good amount of punts in the spring and in the spring game, but I don't want him out there against Florida State um, returning punts. And that's not a knock on him. He's just and Aaron team. Anderson wasn't there in the spring either, so. Yeah, so we'll, we'll see. The return men is interesting. Um, as far as kick returner goes, though, I do think uh, Noah Kane looked like he's still running out there yeah. trying to return kicks. So I would like to see Armani Goodwin out there. If they want to put running backs back there, just stay. Just Well, and these days, too, the, with the rules, how they are now, your kick return is not as important as punt return because Correct. most teams' goals on kickoffs is just we'll take the 25-yard line the and we'll just kick it out of the yeah. end zone. Get to the 25. Yep. All right, there's every single position group to lead you into the fall. We do have – so earlier this week I posted um, asking for bold predictions for fall camp, and uh, some people sent in their bold predictions for the season. And I told them, I said, you know, I will not forget about you. We will do something for you, even though um, I didn't include you in the story. So here, Shay, we have like eight, I think, bold predictions from T- Bengal Tiger subscribers that I want to give them a shout out and I wanted to quickly, we can quickly say whether we think it is feasible or not feasible. Um, so let's do it. Cairo Tiger, LSU has two 1,000 yard receivers, Brian Thomas and Malik Neighbors. Do you think that's feasible? No, I think they'll have one. I think it'll be Neighbors and I think Thomas can get into the 7, 800 range. I, I can, I see, I see Thomas in the, you're about like 800 range is where I have him. But I don't think it's crazy. Like, it's not the craziest bull take. I don't think that that's on here. So there's the first. Holy Bull asked um, or said, Caleb Jackson will be in the top three in rushing yards and top two in yards per carry. Now, this is, I think, solely based on Caleb Jackson's potential, his speed, his athleticism, which I think he has the highest potential of any player in this room other than, obviously, out of high school, that is, other than John Emery, who was obviously the number one Back. like this is uh, a high level athlete and I think that's why Caleb Jackson can do it so maybe top two in yards per carry because maybe he breaks a long run against Grambling or Georgia State um, but I don't think he's going to be top three in rushing because I think the top two is pretty much set and then I just think John Emery and Noah Kane are too they're too solid they're too too solid to to break into all right I'll go with yards I could see yards per carry, him being in the top two or three. Armani Goodwin finished number one in yards per carry a year ago because now you're also factoring in Caleb Jackson's going to have a lot less carries than the other guys, so they're not going to be able to keep an average of, you know, the guys who carried it the most, Williams, Kane, Emery, were 5.47, 5.4, and 5, and Goodwin is at 5.93, but he had half the touches, so – I could buy into the Caleb Jackson top two or three in yards per carry. Not sure about total rushing yards. Fat Tiger says, LaTerrence Welsh will lead the team in interceptions. I um I think that's very bold, and I don't I, I don't see that happening. Even if he starts, we have to understand that interceptions are – let's say they get 10 interceptions on the year, which would be a ton – um, I think safety will produce a good amount of them. Greg Brooks, Major Burns, uh, Nickel usually uh, has very high interception numbers on LSU over the past couple of years. Um, 
And yeah, I just I, I don't see him putting up three or four interceptions. That would be a lot. That would be a lot. But I like what Terrence Walsh. Yeah, and I mean you have to put this into real perspective too, though. Okay, if he got two interceptions, that would have tied for the most on the team last year. Like, oh yeah, last year's team didn't force no interceptions. I mean, Makai Garner, who started every game, never had a single interception. Yeah. Um, you know. Yeah. N- not Sorry. including linebackers like Baskerville or Perkins. Jay Ward had a pick. Fuchsia had a pick. Greg Brooks had two picks. Those are safeties. And yeah. in fact, here's your here you go. And really, Jarrett Bernard Converse played corner and safety. The only corner who logged a pick last year that wasn't Converse was Quad Wilson on that last play at the Purdue game where he takes it back 100 yards. Yeah, amazing. So they've got to up the turnover total there. Like, you cannot have your starting corners not have a single pick all year. Yeah. Jimmy Guwap says, uh, Savion Jones will lead the team in sacks. I, I think Harold Perkins does. I think, I think it's just going to be Harold Perkins. Like, if I had to pick second in the team in sacks – I would take Savion Jones, but I think Harold Perkins ends with 10. I believe so. Last year, um, Perkins eight and a half, Ojalari five from the Jack linebacker position, Savion four and a half, and he wasn't even a full time starter. So Savion in the top two is a yeah, great guess, great bet. I tough for me to say anyone's going to pass Perkins. Yeah. Mike the Tiger 10, Mason Taylor's second leading receiver with over 800 yards. Absolutely not. Woo. <laughs> Brock Bowers, man. Hey, that's the Brock Bowers numbers. I don't even know. Yeah. Um, 800 yards is would be uh, an unbelievable, unbelievable season. Um, I'm looking up what Brock Bowers ended last year with real quick because I think it was, yeah, 942 on 63 receptions. And Mason um, Taylor had 38 for 414. So you would need to nearly double your catch production, target and, share, and actual output. And Last year, he was the only tight end they had. Yeah. They have more tight ends this year. Yeah, that, that's my point is they don't need him to do that. They don't need him to get 800 yards. There's no reason to do that. They have the receivers. They have the tight ends. Uh, Jaden Daniels should be looking down the field a little bit more. There's no reason for him to get 800 yards. If he ends up with 500 yards, I think that would be a super. That's what the, that's that's actually the, 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 the argument there. If Mason Taylor were to hit 800 yards and like 75 or 80 catches that means Jaden daniels did not go vertical and get to the explosive pass brian thomas is is sitting at like 300 yards and you're like what is what's happening here i don't i don't know all right uh lc8 pimpton has more touchdowns than taylor think about it think about it i think they're man going- that's a good one um pimpton i could see with like four or five because i'll go I think taylor, I'll go taylor. I think Taylor Taylor had three last year. I think he can get to four or five. I think Pimpton could get to two or three. So yeah, I'll go, I'll go Taylor. Taylor will have more opportunities. For sure. Denim Tiger 90. Uh, LSU won't have a running back with more than 500 yards. Last year, Josh Williams had like five, somewhere in the five hundreds, but he was the leading rusher. Um, I'm going to say no. I think, I believe, at this moment, before fall camp, before we've seen them play any fall camp, I think I'm taking Logan Diggs to be the running back one and then like 700 yards. So there you go. They'll have somebody go over 500. It'll be Josh Williams or Logan Diggs, but someone will go over 500. Yeah, that's it's a good that's a good a good it's uh, a very good question. Old. That is a, that's a tough one because of it's <laughs> not that they don't have anyone talented enough to go over 500. It's just they have so many of them. If they're really splitting reps, it's tough to get to 500 yards. Yeah. Uh, and if Jaden Dan- if Jaden Daniels runs as much as he did last year, then it will be very difficult. But I think he well, he ran for almost nine hundred. You're right. Yeah, so. that's a little t- <laughs> that's a little different. Uh, and last, Tiger Beast eleven, Aaron Anderson and Landon Ibietta will each have over five hundred yards receiving. Receiving? Yes. No. No, absolutely not. I think Anderson maybe like in a perfect world where Aaron Anderson gets. 45 to 50 catches i could see him getting 500 yards for sure um that would be an amazing year from aaron anderson landon ibietta if he ends the year with 250 yards i'm very very happy yeah i mean kyron lacy had 268 yards last yeah. year if landon ibietta can get to that i'd be ha- like that's not a not a he's a he's in his second year and they have a off. lot of older guys ahead of him like no uh-uh, we, absolutely not we um 
yeah, this is the part of the year where people, I, I don't want to say people don't grasp things, but like the, you could just throw out yard numbers and just be like, yeah, that 500 yards, that's attainable. That is incredibly difficult to do. Like that is like Jack Best fell off the map last year and ended with like 18 catches for like 200 yards or something like that. Like, at 200. Yeah. Kyron Lacey and Brian Thomas played a good bit of football last year and they had 300 to 400 yards. Yeah. Yeah. So just, or just keep all that 260 to 360 is what their range was. Yeah. Pretty, uh, pretty crazy. So anyways, thank you all for the y'all's bold predictions. I said, I would shout y'all out. So there we are. And there it is for the fall camp preview uh, podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Fall camp starts August 3rd. Uh, we have not yet received, you know, media information yet, how all that goes, but surely Brian Kelly will be talking on um, August 3rd. So then we'll start rolling out, you know, podcasts on fall camp. We'll hear from the players, from the coaches and all that good stuff. Yep. And uh, look, obviously hit the subscribe, give us a like here on YouTube or uh, wherever you're listening, Spotify, Apple. Uh, but right now on the Bengal Tiger, one month for one dollar, we are rolling out not only tons of fall camp coverage, we'll be out there every day, but a lot of recruiting info. They are getting red hot on the recruiting trail right now. They're about to have another commitment here uh, very shortly after we record this podcast. So um, get on board. We had a ton of new members sign up over the weekend. If you're not a member yet, Billy, Maddie, B, myself, we're all there. We've got a great national team, but you're not going to beat that deal. A dollar for a month gets you into football season. Then you can decide what you want to do from there. So BengalTiger.com. You don't need any promo code or anything. Just go to Bengal Tiger, hit the front page. You'll see the dollar for a month. Give us a sign up. We'd appreciate it. Yep. And yeah, like Shay said, leave us a like, comment, share, subscribe on the YouTube channel. Thank you to all who have been supporting the YouTube channel. Uh, it's been awesome. And it's supporting the podcast as well on all audio platforms. So yeah, Shay and Billy will be back with another recruiting podcast, and we'll be back on Thursday to talk to you all about fall camp. So until then, we will talk to you all later. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.